Hi, this is Guy Kawasaki. Hi, this is Gideon Shelwick here. My name is Farnoosh Brock. And you're listening to Learning with Leslie. Learning with Leslie. This is Learning with Leslie. 8888352414. This is Learning with Leslie. another episode of Learning with Leslie, the podcast where you learn, I learn, we all learn about how to build an online business with a blog. No, I'm not talking about one of those blogs that will fall by the wayside when Google has a mood swing. I'm talking about one that will thrive no matter what gets thrown at it. I'm your host, Leslie Sama from becomeablogger.com, where we're changing the world one blog at a time. And as usual, I have another exciting interview for you today. I'm on the line with Kelly Snyder from foxandmedia.com, who is a dreamer, blogger, marketer, cheerleader, and savvy businesswoman. This former marketer for a Fortune 100 company and successful blogger at Kansas City Mamas and Redefined Moms is ready for the next media revolution and loves working with brands and bloggers to further their business plan. So in this interview, what we're going to be talking about is how to write an effective media kit. You know, I don't even have a media kit. I don't know what it's if, if I need one, and if so, what goes into it. So I thought I'd consult an expert, and Kelly agreed to come on here. So media kits, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Kelly, my friend, how you doing? I'm good, Leslie. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for coming on here and joining me. Um, I, you know, I met you um, last year at Savvy Blogging, and then we met again at Digital Collab this year. And I know that this is a topic that you are kind of into. So I wanted to get you on here to talk about this because, quite frankly, I don't know anything about it. So, <laughs> so first of all, I'm a blogger. I am not on TV. I'm not in the media. Should I even be thinking about a media kit? You know, I think you should be thinking about a media kit because in essence, a media kit is just a resume of your blog and your brand. And if you ever want to do business with more brand partners, and that's depending, everybody I think can do more business with brand partners. Um, it's kind of, the media kit is kind of that first step into developing that relationship. Um, it just kind of shows the brands what you are about and what your demographics are about and your readership is about. And it shows if you're going to be a good fit with them um, later on. Gotcha. So you, you mentioned, you know, if you want to be doing business with a brand partner, when would I be even thinking about doing that what kinds of bloggers are doing business with brand partners what do you mean you know what that's a great question and my answer is every blog should be doing business with brand partners um you know for example a food blogger if they're listening to this or interested in being a food blogger um brands would be any of the brands that you know have food business so any cheese brands or a general mills or a craft or even you know even more niched in oriented as like earthbound farms or something to that extent okay if you're a business blogger um and you are definitely into trying to use technology and being able to to simplify and organize and using technology to make things more simple. There's apps that you can always work with, um, developers of apps or companies that make apps to become a brand partner for them. Um, if you were a finance blogger and you want to start working more on the banking institute, banking institute, you know, that would be way of, 
And that would be a brand that you would work with. So I think it's just opening up your mind to kind of the things that you're interested in and that your readers are interested in and then trying to find those brand partnerships. Okay, so with these brand partnerships, what are you exactly doing? Are you going to their offices and you know having discussions? What, what does brand partnership even mean? That's brand. No, 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 no. No one's showing up at an office. I don't think for the most part, you know, most of it's all online. Um, I always tell people that they should have kind of a list of like five or 10 brands that they want to work with. And that's as easy as just, you know, stalking them on Twitter to see kind of what they're talking about and interjecting yourself into the conversation. And if you do that often enough, you're going to develop a relationship with them that eventually you can then talk about, Hey, I have a proposal that I would like to send to you. Would you be interested in seeing it? Um, and if it's from an authentic, place nine times out of 10, they're going to say, yeah, because who wouldn't want to see, you know, a proposal that's going to be sent to them. Everybody's interested in, you know, trying to further um, their brand on social media. And if I'm going to be completely honest, nine out of 10 times, most brands don't know what they're doing on social media. So they look at us, people that are bloggers that are, you know, experts on Pinterest, people that are experts on Facebook to be the experts for them to get their message across. Gotcha. So I'm a, I'm a business owner. Um, I'm a, let's say I'm a potential brand partner for your blog. And let's say specifically your blog on Kansas City Mamas. Just actually, first of all, can you give us a little idea of what that blog is about? My it, it, it blog sounds Kansas cool. C- Kansas City Mamas. It, I know. it sounds like something it's- I want to find out about. So tell me. Well, um, I'm based in Kansas City, uh-huh. and when I started my blog a gazillion years ago, um, <laughs> I wanted to be very – it was before niche was niche-oriented, you know, because um, I feel like I'm a dinosaur now in blogging <laughs> years. But um, I decided I wanted to focus specifically on Kansas City. And so because I have done that for the last five years, I've developed relationships with Kansas City businesses um, that are my brand partners, and I get paid by them on a monthly basis to help convey their message out to my readership. Gotcha. It's making more sense. So I'm a I'm a business owner in Kansas City. Um, I have absolutely no idea about this whole social media thing. I heard about the internet and that you know we can get more business on there. You approach me and you have a, a following online and you come t- with a proposal of how you can help me. And I say yes, I would love that because I don't know what in the world I'm doing. I would like to pay you a certain amount every month for you to help me um, get exposure in my particular particular audience. Right. And it's kind of an ambassadorship. You know, the thing that we've learned about social media is one of the things that's so great about it is that people actually are interested in what you have to say and that you have authority in certain niches. So for me saying that I really love something in Kansas City and then can back it up with um, a post about it or a testimonial about it, that's going to hold a lot more weight than just seeing some random ad that happens to be up on the Weather Channel when you're scrolling through. Gotcha. So, so at what point then, I'm a blogger now, I'm back to being a blogger, which is what I love, and at what point should I even be thinking about starting to, to, to do these types of things because, you know, maybe I'm just beginning, I don't have a huge following or anything of that sort, when should I start thinking about this realistically? When I tell people that if you're a brand new blogger, your first six to eight months needs to be focused primarily on content and content alone. Um, It doesn't, you know, build up, write good content and do that for the first six to eight months. And then you're going to develop a following. Um, About month nine is when you should start to be thinking about, hey, I may need to do a media kit. 
And a media kit is essentially what I call it. There's five essential parts to it. Um, your elevator pitch. So who are you? Like if you saw somebody in the elevator and you had to describe what your blog was in 30 seconds or less, that's your elevator pitch. So we write that. We write demographic information. And I'll get into that in just a little bit more. But who yeah. are your readers? You know, what do they, how old are they? How young are they? Are they male? Are they female? How much money do they make? Where do they live? Those kind of things. Um, your site and social media stats. Um, and then your basic advertising and sponsored post rate so that you can kind of tell them how much you would charge in order to start having these relationships or ambassador relationships with them. And then information about you. Because um, just like we said, the chances of us ever sitting across a table from a lot of these brands is zero. And so they do want to know a little bit more about you and kind of what you're about. Are you married? Do you have kids? Those kind of things. That kind of general soft talk that would take place in a meeting, which is probably never going to happen. That's that section. Are, are- all right, so so that's kind of what goes into it, you, and you're saying, you know, I'm nine nine months in, I've, I'm starting to build a little bit of a following. I'm I'm getting, I have content that, or ho- hopefully, is high quality content on my blog, and my audience is starting to engage with that. I can start thinking about putting together this media kit because at this point now, maybe I have, well, if I go about it the right way, I have enough information to start putting that into this media kit. Exactly. The only the thing that you should always start with at that nine month mark um, before you even make your media kit is that you should do a reader survey. I am a big proponent of reader surveys because I think it's the only way, true way that you can find out what your readers are really interested in. And it's also the true way of finding out what their demographic information is. I mean, there's different sites out there that you can get kind of general information, but that takes in everything. So that takes in any of your Pinterest traffic or your Google or your SEO or anything else. We want to find out who your readers are, who are the people that are engaged with you, because that is who you can influence. And that's who the brand wants to know that you can influence. Gotcha. You know, this makes me feel a little better because, you know, when I think about a media kit, one of the things that I think is, you know, I haven't been in the media, so I can't, you know, you go to blogs and you see as seen on, on whatever TV show they've been on or the news and all that kind of stuff. I have none of that. Um, But I do have an audience and I can get information about that audience and that is valuable to a potential business partner. Right. And I think we have to spin it a little bit of who, what media is. I mean, traditionally, like you said, I haven't been on television or radio. I haven't been out in the media. But now because of the the way that things are changing and the fragmentation that's happening, blogs are considered media. Very true. Yeah. It's a way that they can, it's a way that consumers can get information to be entertained and etc. So I think it's kind of that misnomer that we think as a blogger that we're not media. We are. You know, we're not the same necessarily as television, but we are definitely part of the media, as I call the pie chart. Gotcha. So I've been featured on other blogs. I've been on other podcasts. That's valuable information that I can put into um, that we can formulate. And we'll talk about how to do all of this a little later, but that's stuff that can go into my media kit. Absolutely. Awesome. Okay. So we've we've overcome the 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 the, the idea that well maybe I don't need a media kit. We're talking about the fact that everyone should have one. Um, we we kind of have a little bit of an idea of what goes into it, but I want to dive a little. No, actually, I want to dive a lot more into <laughs> to this stuff. So you said the, the 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 five elements. Number one is your elevator pitch, right? Yes. Number two, um, well, demographic information about your audience. Yes. Number three, the site and social media stats and all that kind of stuff. 
Mm-hmm. Number four, uh, your rate for whether it's a sponsored post or whatever it is, whatever you're proposing um, in terms of the partnership that you can have with that company. Yep. And number five, information about you. So let's start with number one, elevator pitch. Help me out here because you know what? When I, if I'm stuck in an elevator and someone asks me what I'm doing, I'm stuck. So how do we go about crafting this elevator pitch? Well, one of the best things to do is what I mentioned before about a reader survey. You want to ask some very open-ended questions within the reader survey so that you can get your readers specifically talking about you. And what you will find when you do this is that you will find that there are key messages that get used over and over and over again. And what that becomes is kind of a way of describing who you are, what your blog is about. Mm. Um, I always say that you know your elevator pitch is key insights from that reader survey. It's your unique voice. Everybody in every blog has a very unique voice and it's your uniqueness that draws people into you and makes them want to, you know, come back to you um, time and time again. So what is your unique voice and make sure that that stands out within the elevator pitch, why you are attractive to companies, you know, um, I think one of the worst disservices that happen is when people write a media kit, they try to make it so generic so that it can be used by anybody. Well, just like when you build a resume, you don't want to necessarily tailor your resume so that it can be applicable to everybody. You want it to be applicable to that job and why you stand out. Same thing with a media kit. If you're in a very specific niche like food and say that you're even one step above that and say you only do vegan food, you want to make sure that you're talking very specifically that you are in the food industry and that you specifically talk about vegan so that the um, brands know that. And then something that totally gets missed every single time is your blog name and um, your web address. And people laugh at me that I say to put that in there, but I always say that your elevator pitch should be the very first thing on your media kit, and you should say that you you are giving that person, that PR person or marketing person, 30 seconds to look at your media kit, and you want to make sure that you get as much information in there as possible, and that needs to include your blog name and your web address. Okay, I'm loving this. This is, this is oh man, it's like a ton of information coming my way, and I love it. Okay, so I want to dive more into this reader survey because this seems like it's something extremely important. It gives you a good idea of you know who your audience is, why they love you, why they are into what you're doing, and that is something that's going to be very important for these potential partners. So, what are some? First of all, how long should this reader survey even be? I see some reader surveys that are like three to five questions because they want to keep it short. And then I see some that probably take hours to complete. What is there like an, a, a happy medium somewhere there? You know what? I always say that it shouldn't take any longer than five minutes. Okay. Um, and if you can, because I think anybody can sit down and if they can get it done within five minutes or less, they're going to be happy to do that for you, especially because they're vested into you because they've came on your blog before. Um, I always say it should include standard and open-ended questions. Your standard questions are kind of what I consider your demographic questions. They're, you know, what state do you live in? How much money you make from a series of choices? Do you have kids? How old are your kids? Are you male or female? email, um, how much um, education have you completed, those kind of standard questions. Um, And then you can even throw in standard questions that you're interested in. Like, for example, if you're a business blogger and you're interested in specifically the online business, you could ask something, you know, very specific about what is your biggest challenge and give them four or five examples that they can choose from. Or you can give them a scale question of how proficient do they feel that they are in podcasting or are they interested in podcasting or what stops them from doing 
doing podcasting. Um, so it's just a great way to really mine your readers for really great insights that not only help you with your reader survey, or I'm sorry, with your media kit, but also just help you with your blog, Definitely. you know, to kind of get a pulse on what they want to see from you and what they're interested in and not interested in. Gotcha. So those are the standard questions, uh, multiple choice maybe, or even some really quick maybe um, where they have to select from multiple options. Well, that's multiple choice. Never mind. You get the point. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. You, you also spoke about um, open-ended questions. What kind of open-ended questions should I include in this survey? Why do you read this blog? Um, what are your favorite things about this blog? Whatever your blog's name is. Um, if you had to change one thing, what would you change? Um, what would you like to see more of? Um, anything that allows them to kind of just talk and have a conversation with you, that's what you want. Um, because those conversations, even if they're only a sentence or two, really give you some more insight into your reader and gives them insight in how the reader looks at you and how they perceive you. Um, one of the things that I find so interesting is that we as bloggers think that we are seen a certain way. They're like, I am this. This is who I am. <laughs> and after a reader survey, they will read it and they'll be like, dude, my readers think I'm this. And I've never even thought I was this before. Um, and it just kind of opens their mind up to kind of like what their influence is um, throughout that social media scene. Okay. And, and one of the important things I'm trying to draw out there is what makes me unique, right? Absolutely. Um, I think that's the biggest thing is that you will find that you are unique in comparison to every other blog out there. But there is something that makes you very unique. And it can be as simple as, you know, she seems so down to earth and friendly to they always have a quick, concise answer to they always seem knowledgeable to they answer every comment or question we have. Those things all make you unique and make you important when you're having a discussion with a brand. Love it. Love it. Okay, sweet. So I've done this audience survey, this reader survey. Um, and as a result, now I have good information. What do I do with that information? How do I take that and translate it into, first of all, the, the elevator pitch? Right. So you have your elevator pitch and that's, and those things are kind of like, you can maybe, maybe, as I say, just make kind of a word about who you are. So it could be as easy as saying that your website is dedicated to encourage people to do whatever and then speak of what that is. Um, and then kind of talk about maybe some things that got brought up within those open-ended questions that you give great tutorials, that you're really um, down to earth, that you always answer the questions in order to help people grow their business. Um, so that's, you want to make it very personal and conversational. Um, then you, the other thing you want to do with your reader surveys, you want to take it and make the demographic information. And I always say the demographic information is the who are they discussion. You want to describe who the they are, the readers are, and you want to describe it really concisely as you can. So it's talking about that your readers are men between the ages of 25 to 35 with young families who are well-educated that are looking to grow their business and live a life fully um, without having to be tied to the workplace or something to that extent that you want to be able to describe them so that as the PR or marketing person is reading that demographic, they can visualize who that person is. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Now, how long should this be? I mean, is it a paragraph? Is it a page? What is it? How long? What's the ideal I length for this? I would say no more than two to three sentences on, on any piece that we're talking about. Um, I always think a media kit should be one page if possible. Um, I think oh. that for multiple reasons. One, because I think some, I've seen media kits that have been seven pages and I've often thought to myself, you're not that important. Gotcha. 
Um, the other thing is that you want it to be so that if they print it out, that they're not having to find a stapler to put it all together. Um, and then you want it so that in case that they don't get a stapler to put it all together, that if they only get one page of it, that you're not missing like three fourths of the conversation because they didn't staple everything together. So one page is always my favorite. Sweet. So this is some long document, some ebook that I got to put together. Just a one pager. I like that. That, that sounds very doable. I can do that. Absolutely. Awesome. Okay, so we have our elevator pitch. That's the first section. Um, and we got some good data back from our audience survey, our reader survey um, that we're using for this elevator pitch. Now, uh, the next thing that you said is your target audience, and we kind of spoke about that. Um, the, the site and social media stats. What kind of information am I including in that? This is probably the easiest part to do because basically all it's doing is taking your monthly blog stats from Google Analytics, um, both your visitors and your page views, and then have that over an average of the last six months, and then all of your social media stats. So it's you know your Pinterest, your Twitter, your Facebook, your Instagram, your email. Um, I always say if you have other stats that support that you're really good. So if you have like a huge amount of podcast followers, that would be something to include. If you're big on YouTube, include that number. Um, if you have amazing like Stumble or Tumblr or whatever readers include that, but don't ever include something that makes it feel like it's a red flag. So like if you're rocking it with Pinterest and Twitter and Facebook, and then all of a sudden you say like, I have four readers on Vine, <laughs> you know, they're like, well, what's going on here? Or you include YouTube and you have like 18 people that follow you, you know, or subscribe to you. Yeah, don't include that. So <laughs> You know, it's just like it is. It's a resume. You don't want to include like the bad stuff. You know, nobody wants to say that, hey, I got let go from the gap. You don't put that on the resume. Just the same. You don't say, hey, I've only got 18 subscribers on YouTube. Gotcha. So so when I'm 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 putting my best face, my best foot forward. Right. I'm trying Absolutely. to I'm trying to look good, just like I'd be trying to look good if I'm going to a job interview and I have a resume. I'm, I'm using genuine information, but I'm using the information that gives you a good impression of who I am. Absolutely. Okay, so let's dissect that just a little bit. It's it's very simple. But when we're talking about you know your blog stats over the last six months, um, some people might be thinking, you know, I haven't been doing that well. I mean, should I say you know over the last six months we've reached X thousands of visitors, or should it be the monthly visitors? Um, do I work that to make it sound a little better? How how do I how do I approach that? I am a big believer in that truth is truth. Um, and I am not a big proponent in having huge stats. Like, I think it's awesome when it happens, but I also think that there's something that happens when you start getting to like that million and two million page views gotcha. is that it becomes, you know, there becomes a little bit more of a genericness that comes on. Um, I've never been in dealing with brands and even throughout my own career as being a blogger, I've never let like small stats stand in the way of developing brand relationships. Um, and I think brands would even say too, that they almost prefer to work with smaller bloggers because they know that every reader that's reading that blog is engaged with that blogger versus somebody that's bigger. It could be that they have a really good post that's been SEO'd out and they're getting a ton of traffic that way. But that traffic doesn't necessarily equate to an engaged reader. Gotcha. Uh, so, so never be, I always say small is mighty. Never be afraid if you have small stats. Um, 
never, never shrink on that. It's small is mighty and brands are looking for smaller, um, niche blogs that are, have very engaged readership all the time. I think we need to do a little bit of definition here. Let's define what we mean by small, because I've spoken to some people that are, that that say things like, you know, I only, I'm only getting a hundred thousand, um, people a month and that for them is small, but then somebody is thinking, well, I only have 500 at what point are we thinking okay we we have like a, a decent in it's decent enough that we can think about going out there i know we said that six to nine months range but in terms of visitors let's deal with that because i know people are listening to this and they're thinking man i only have 30 or i only have fifty thousand. what is small and what is realistic to say okay let's start going out there I think anything, honestly, if you are under 25,000 page views a month, okay, you probably need to focus on your content to get that number up or working on engaging in different social media channels to get more readership into your blog and interested into what's going on. Um, after you hit kind of that, I'd even say 20 to 25,000, then you can start talking to brands about doing work with them on, you know, on a sponsorship basis. Um, you know, I don't think it's that, I know that some people may be like, Oh my gosh, that seems like a big number. And others may be like, dude, I think I got that within the first three months I started blogging. Yeah. Either way. Um, I think that that's kind of the base number to start with. No, but that's good because that gives us kind of an idea. And I know a lot of bloggers in my audience would be thinking, Oh, okay. That maybe I'm almost there. So I'm, I, I can do a little more work and get myself to that point. Or yeah, I've been doing that for a while. And there are going to be some that are going to say, Oh man, I got some work to do. And that's okay. Because you know what? We want you to do that work. We want you to get that engaged audience and grow your blog and and grow your brand because that's something that's going to be extremely powerful. Okay, so that makes sense. We have our numbers. We've put those numbers in. And then the next thing would be the rates. And this is something that I know a lot of people struggle with because they have no idea how much to charge for whatever it is they're doing, whether it's a sponsored post or just a banner ad or whatever the case might be. How do we even go about determining how much to charge for those these types of things that we're going to be doing with our media kit? You know, and it is, it's hard. Um, it's always to me, is it's kind of an equation. Um, the first one is, is that I say that you want to talk to other people in your niche. I'm a big believer in networking and having tribes of other people that are doing the same thing that you are and developing those relationships. And it doesn't matter if they're bigger bloggers than you are, than smaller, but to kind of get an idea of what they charge. Um, one of the things that frustrates me so much in the blogging world is that everybody keeps so much stuff close to the chest. Uh Like nobody really wants to talk about how much they're making. Um, and I just think that that's just crap that the more that we can converse with each other, the better off we're going to be and that we're going to be able to leverage the things that we do so well in social media in order to get paid. Because honestly, there's a lot of brands out there that believe that we shouldn't get paid and they do it consistently to try to convince younger bloggers that they should do all of this work for a chance to get mentioned on a brand's blog or on a brand's Facebook page. Mm -hmm. And that's crap. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, for that poor young blogger, he or she didn't know that, you know, Hey, you need to get paid for this. And this is kind of what the range is. So I would say first talk to people that are in your same niche so that you can kind of get an idea. The second thing is, is that there always needs to be a cost relationship to what you want to do. So like if it's something, if it's a six piece 
effort that needs to take place in order for you to get paid. You have to decide, you know, what your wages per hour, determine how many hours it's going to take you to do that work, and then go back with a pitch to say, hey, this is what I'm going to charge. And it's okay for the brand to say no, and it's okay for the brand to give you an offer and for you to say no. Um, but I don't ever think that there's a right or wrong answer for how much money you should charge for an example for advertising or a sponsor post. I've got clients who are very niche blogs in the food industry that can commandeer a thousand dollars for a banner ad per month on a pretty low, um, readership rate, or I shouldn't say readership, but from a page view standpoint. Mm -hmm. And then I've got other blogs that are, you know, between a million and 2 million page views that are charging the same. And again, it just comes down to what is the advertiser willing to pay in order to get in front of your audience and how engages your audience um, for them. You know, I really love what you said there about figuring out what the cost relationship is. Because, you know, I know a lot of bloggers. Well, let me not say I know a lot of bloggers that do this. I know there are some bloggers out there that would get a sponsored post, for example, and just go to work on this and spend countless hours on this, but then charge next to nothing. Um, and, you know, sometimes you have to start smaller in order to grow and to, to you know, get that experience. And that's okay. But at least with with this um, with this um, method, we have some way of calculating, you know, realistically, how much is this worth? How much of my time is this going to take? If I'm if you know I charge twenty dollars an hour, or fifty dollars an hour, a hundred dollars an hour, I have a way to at least estimate the value that I'm providing to them. And not just that; it's not just my time, but it's the relationships that I've established with my audience. It's the it's the 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 the, the tribe that I'm building up that. It's going to be extremely valuable to that. So all of those things are taken into consideration. Right. And I think the other piece in the advertising and sponsored post rates is that you have to also think like not only how much time is it involved, but what are you getting out of it? Um, oh. Because it is time involved. So let's say you take a lesser rate because you're like, oh my goodness, I'm working with this amazing magazine. I'm working with Better Homes and Gardens or Fast Company and I'm doing this great thing and they're going to put me in the magazine. And so you get really excited about it and you put all of this effort into it because that magazine says they're going to mention you either in their magazine or on their on their blog or on their website. And so you do all this work for a lesser rate and then you sit back and wait. And all of a sudden you realize you're getting no traffic whatsoever from either one of those things. And so you have to say, well, was that really worth it for me to take yeah. a lesser rate? I think the answer is no, it really wasn't that, you know, fast company or better homes and gardens got a great deal, but you in the end were working for a reduced rate and really didn't get any more traffic or anything out of it like what was promised to you. But then is there leverage, though, in some of that? For example, okay, yes, let's say Fast Company mentions me, which I wouldn't mind, but let's say they do <laughs> mention me. Now, I, I can say that, you know, as seen in Fast Company, doesn't that provide some value there? It does, and that's what you have to leverage. Just like if you were a newer blogger and you had never been in fast, you don't have any media or very little yeah. media, you may say, you know what, I'm going to take a lesser rate on this in order so that I can say I was mentioned in this magazine and I can put that on my site. Now, as you may be more of an advanced blogger, because I know that there's probably bloggers that are listening to you that have been blogging for 
three or four years, and maybe they've got some media cred already. Mm -hmm. They can say, you know what, Fast Company, that's great, but I've already kind of got some pretty good media cred. I don't need to do that for a lesser amount. So you kind of go through this evaluation and say, is this worth it to me in terms of my time, in terms of what I'm getting for it? And also, you know, in terms of what I'm supposed to be providing for this advertiser or this company, this brand, and so on. You take all of those, you weigh weigh all of those um, criteria in your mind, and then you come up to an informed uh, decision as to whether you're going to do it or not. Absolutely. And always remember too, as even I tell my clients, there's going to be other offers out there. I think sometimes when we're new and we get an offer, we're so excited about it that that's what we want to do. Uh And to realize that that's not the only offer you're going to get. As long as you continue to write quality content and engage with your audience, you're going to continue to get offers. And so pick the ones that you're going to be most proud to be part of. Awesome. And number five, the fifth thing that's going into this media kit is information about me. Okay, so I I love singing in the rain. I have a four-year, a two-year-old son, or whatever the case might be. What what all are you including in this section and information about you? Um, th- always include a picture because they want to see who you are. Yes, they could go to your website and probably see a picture of you too, but include it on your media kit. Um, your accomplishments that are blog related. So like you were saying, you know, have been interviewed by these podcasters or I have been featured on these websites, whatever that is, whatever your accomplishments are blog related, which companies you've worked for in the past. Um, your accomplishments that are not blog related. Um, you know, put in those extra interesting things. For me, when I worked for a Fortune 100 company, I worked in the marketing side of things and I was a corporate marketer my entire corporate life before I started doing my own entrepreneurial. Um, That has been a huge door for me that like when I start to have those conversations with PR and marketing people, they almost have a sigh of relief like, oh my gosh, she's going to get it. So if you have past corporate experience or you, whatever you did, make sure you put that in there because it just helps to kind of solidify who you are, that you're not just somebody that, you know, has been bouncing around to job, to job, to job, but you actually have, you know, had a successful incorporate as well as now being an entrepreneur online. And then finally, I know this sounds so silly and stupid, but how to reach you, you know, what's your email address, or if you have another way to be reached, you know, through social media, put that on there as well. You wouldn't be surprised how many media kits I've seen that people say, hey, can you look at this? And they forget to put their email address on it. Well, (laughs) they're like, well, it's in when I send it to them. And I'm like, yeah, until that email gets deleted, you know, and they printed it off, but the email gets deleted. Always include your email address as well. Awesome. Lots of awesome information here. I don't have any more questions. Are there any other things you think we need to be aware of if we're going down this road of putting together a media kit? Um. Know that it's okay to be told no. Um, So many times I think we get upset because we send out our media kit and a proposal and the brand says no. And know that their no is not a reflection necessarily on you. It could be a reflection of they don't have budget or it could be a reflection of that what their um, goals are for that quarter don't match up to the things that you're proposing. But know that like the more that you get your media kit and your proposals out there, the more chances that there's going to be a yes. And that sponsored activity can be a great additional revenue stream um, in to your whole portfolio. Awesome. Now, I know you have a lot more content specifically dealing with this. I know you have an ebook, you have services that you offer. Tell us a little bit about that. 
Sure. I've got an ebook that's called um, How to Make a Media Kit and Use It to Make Money, and that's on my site at foxandmedia.com. Um, and it just goes through everything that we kind of talked about today, but in a lot more detail. So you're going to get an example of the reader survey questions, and you're going to get an example of what a finished media kit's going to look like. And you're going to get an example of how to write all of those parts and pieces so that it becomes very easy for you to do. Um, so that's on the site as that's on the site too. And then I also do consulting because there's a lot of times that people are like, you know what? I could do this, but I know that she's going to do it better than I will be able to. And so I also have consulting available too, in which I will just do everything for you. So I'll do your reader survey. I'll look at the insights. I'll put it all together and then I'll send you the finished copy. So I do both of those things. Awesome, man. That was awesome content. You know, I'm, I'm actually quite excited about this media kit thing now, and I didn't think I'd be this excited about it. Uh, but thank you so much, Kelly, for coming on here and just delivering all this value. I really appreciate it, and I know that my audience is going to enjoy it. Thanks, Leslie. It was so good to be able to talk to you. I really appreciate it. All right. So, hey, guys, if you want to find out more about what Kelly has to offer, you can head on over to Fox and Media. That's F-O-X-E-N media.com. Of course, I'll link to that in the show notes of this episode. Becomeablogger.com slash episode 174. I'll link up to the ebook, to the services, to everything that she offers so that you can check her out there. Uh, man, this was a whole bunch of valuable content. I loved it. Anyhow, if you're enjoying this podcast, I'd appreciate it, of course. If you can hop on over to iTunes and leave an honest review, just go to iTunes and search for Learning with Leslie. You should find me there. Um, and that helps, of course, for more exposure. And if you're trying to start a blog, you know, you've been hearing about this blogging thing, you've been listening to this podcast, and you want to start a blog where you can create content, inspire others, and change the world while building your online business, head on over to freebloggingvideos.com where you get to follow me as I show you exactly step-by-step step how to make it happen. Freebloggingvideos.com. That's pretty much it for this episode. Leslie Samuel here from becomeablogger.com, changing the world one blog at a time. And until next time, take care and God bless. Eight, 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 three, five, two.